Hello everybody, I am Matt. I am a game master who can't stop talking about role-playing games. Today on Roleplay Chat, we're going to be talking about social encounters. And boy, is there a lot to talk about. Uh, social encounters really covers a lot of ground. And to be honest, I was kind of surprised it took me this long to consider covering this topic on the show. Regardless, I hope you enjoy the show, and as always, if you did like it, please don't hesitate to let me know. I love getting emails from you all. That's contactroleplaychat at gmail.com. And without further ado, let's get right into it. Hello, everybody. This is Matt from Roleplay Chat, and I am honored to announce my guest for today's episode. We have Derek the one and only interviewer and, I guess, Game Master from How Not to DM, a podcast that you can hear wherever you listen to podcasts. Derek, why don't you say hello, introduce yourself to the listeners, tell us about your show, and about uh, your your geek origin story. How did you get into tabletop RPGs? All right, so thanks, Matt, for having me. Yeah, my name is Derek. I host a show called How Not to DM. I started it in... April of last year. So coming up on a year slash probably it's been a year by the time this releases. And what a year it's been. It's been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot about podcasting, learned a lot about running games. I've learned a lot about interviewing people and it's been a lot of fun. Um, a little bit more about myself, love sports, which is funny. Not a lot of people care about sports in the TTRPG space or we just don't talk about it much. So my personal account that's where I follow all the sports and stuff. And then, and then my, uh, my podcast account is where I keep all the geek stuff, uh, cordoned off, if you will. I see. I see. Yeah. There is a lot less, there's a lot less overlap than one might think in those two worlds. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, been running games for probably four years now, uh, playing for about the same amount of time. My geek origin story is, uh, really, when I was born, I think there was just something about me that that really gravitated toward this kind of stuff. I grew up watching the Bill Nye, the Science Guy show, and the Magic School Bus. Loved sciencey kind of stuff as a kid. Loved doing little science experiments. Uh, so that that side of geek uh, geek stuff is really uh, near and dear to me. And then as I got older, I uh, really fell in love with fantasy, with sci-fi. Uh, so anyway love stories and i and i love like immersing myself in lore and in uh in the worlds that these authors created so when i found a way that i could do that myself or i could do it with my friends mm -hmm. you know it was like a match made in in uh, heaven so my co-workers were talking about a game they had just started they were, they'd started a curse of strad game and i had only heard of dnd probably from you know the few off mentions here and there and then stranger things and so they were talking about it and i kind of like weaseled my way in and was like hey what you, you know what's this what's this dnd stuff can i join in and they said yeah sure why not so i showed up we only played a couple more sessions and then that group dissolved but right after that we started a lunch group at work and uh, played through Lost Mine of Fandelver. My brother actually ran that for us while we were working together. Then immediately after that, I said, I've, I've got this and, and wrote like a little three shot ish adventure cool. and uh, have been running games ever since. Did it actually last three games? That's the golden question. Or did it last like five times that? <laughs> 
Uh, no, I, I wrote it very short intentionally because I was like, I just want to do like a few lunch times worth of game to see if I like this kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, cool. And I did. And I was like, well, I got to keep doing this. So yeah, it did end up maybe being like three or four different lunches where we played through and finally finished my little, uh, my little story. Awesome. That's great. Great, great. So as far as, as far as systems go, was D&D 5e the kind of what you cut your teeth on and, and your, your game of preference? Or are there other things dabbled in there? Yeah, it is. Uh, I've played a handful of games um, uh, with Savage Worlds Adventure Edition. Um, I've played some other kind of one-page games here and there with some friends and family and stuff. Uh, but my my home group that meets consistently, we're playing D&D, and so that's what I've done the yeah. most, you know save you know six to eight month uh hiatus during the the height of the well it wasn't really the height of the pandemic but we thought it was the height of the pandemic anyway <laughs> um we, we we've been playing pretty consistently beside that time so cool. yeah that's that's definitely what i've run the most and i'm most familiar with i actually wrote a game uh in december called uh dig based on the novel and the uh book holes or the novel in the book the novel in the movie holes uh, which is one of my favorite books from uh, uh, being a kid. So uh, I still haven't run that one, but I'm excited to give it a crack one of these days when uh, we've got a break or or there's some um, some people gone or whatever and, and we're still looking to do something. Awesome. So yeah, uh, that's, that's my gaming experience thus far. I've got a bunch of books of things I want to try on my shelf back mm, here. Yeah, tell me about it. I've got... <laughs> I, I'm the same. I got all these books like... One of these days, I'm going to convince the people that I play with to play these games, but I can never, right. I can never, I can never do it. It's always, it's always just, let's go with what we know. Let's go with the bread and butter. And you know what? It works. There's no shame in, in admitting that D&D is a system that a lot of people know how to play. A lot of people know how to run and it works. It does what it's got to do. Mm -hmm. And what it doesn't do, you can usually figure it out on your own, um, homebrew it or whatever. Yeah. So I'd love to do a sci-fi flavored game. I've got some or Starfinder books. I've got a Star Wars uh, saga edition book. So one of these days I'll convince everybody that we should do some sci-fi. Yeah. I like the idea of being able to tell stories where you could literally travel to any planet on any galaxy and all of them are going to be weird and different and you're going to have all sorts of different beings that you encounter. Uh, in my old age i'm i'm only 30 but in my uh in my adult years i've fell in love with star trek too and so the idea of being able to tell all sorts of complex moral stories uh in in a vast universe is really intriguing to me nice. so someday i'll get to do that Yeah, absolutely and i think you you hit on something that i think really sticks out in this hobby of ours you know telling telling stories having these narratives that we get to build together as a group around a table and i think there's no better way to really embody that in our game than with a social encounter with an npc and a pc hammering it out having some kind of moral debate or having some kind of discussion where one person's trying to pry out information from the other person you know it's it's such a critical piece of this hobby and i don't think you can be a game master without running in some way a social encounter so i think today's conversation mm -hmm. is going to be really interesting i think it's uh it's going to be daunting because social encounters are definitely a really big bucket but i think we're going to try our best to to 
give some of our insights on what a social encounter is and how to run one. So I think we'll just yeah. use that to dive. Let's dive right in to a definition. That's something that we do on Roleplay Chat every episode. Me and the guest, we without pulling out our dictionary, you know, let's let's make sure we're on the same page as to what we mean when we say social encounter. And if you've got something in there, Derek, I'm going to pass it to you first. What is a social encounter to you? I'm going to cheat and say that any encounter could be a social encounter if you make it a social encounter. And by that, I mean that just about anything you're doing in, uh, you know, exploration, role play and combat can have social aspects. Yeah. yeah so that the, the good news is you can weave social encounters into any other part of your game and make it interesting. You can have the bad, the, the villain giving some exposition as they are fighting. You can have people screaming something as they're running away from you, uh, you know, in, in kind of like combat scenarios. Then with exploration, you can have all sorts of interesting um, social encounters based on where your players are going. Um, you know, do you need to seed some plot hooks for another thing that you want them to to go look into you can have people there to to chat with or maybe things that that can talk to them you know there's tons of movies that have examples of like i don't know i, I don't know why i'm thinking of this specific example <laughs> but an aquaman he's like they like go to the desert and they like need to put some water on this stone and then it speaks to them i i love the kind of i love leaning on tropes like that but that that could be a social encounter where they interact with some sort of cursed or blessed thing that can talk to them uh and then finally the obvious one role-playing scenarios where you've got whatever kind of situation you're setting up a party a banquet uh someone in a shop someone in the street someone that they find randomly while they're wandering around uh so many different ways to to build social encounters into your game. And they're such a useful tool as well uh, to give information to your players or to withhold information or to give them false information. Just just such a, a useful tool in your tool belt. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really like how you said it could be anywhere because you're right. You're 100% right. A social encounter can happen anytime you're playing the game so long as there's something for your players to interact with. I think for me... A big part of what makes that part of the game a social encounter, though, is this fixation on the fact that the players are opposed to something and need to get information or, or, or resources or something. You know, there's kind of like a challenge function that this thing is this NPC or, or magical rock that you put water on or whatever, it's opposing the <laughs> players, right? It's, it's, yeah, yeah. And, and the players are trying to challenge it. Uh, and the way that they challenge it is via social means. So it's using skills like persuasion, intimidation, uh, deception, or if you're playing in another game in, in any other systems, you know, any kind of diplomacy or, or any of these actions where the players are using their wit and their intelligence and their, words to get something out of you know to, to, to defeat the quote-unquote defeat the challenge um if to you, solve the puzzle yeah yeah yeah, yeah. exactly and i want to lean on something you 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 said there derek about how you talk about information right they're keeping information and i think that that's a pretty big piece of this definition too information is the name of the game when it comes to social encounters usually you're not really losing any hp <laughs> i mean maybe 
but you might be giving away information to your enemy that you don't know you're giving away or you you might be yes. trying to receive information from somebody and prying it out of them so that's kind of the the currency here is information yeah it is it is and uh i think like i said it's a great way to to accomplish a lot of different things as a as a game master and to and obviously, you're never trying to send your players in a specific direction on purpose, but it's a good way to kind of leave some breadcrumbs and and uh, give them a trail to follow or give them some clues to follow as they're trying to unravel whatever uh, web you've woven. Yeah, for sure. I, I think they're a very valuable tool. They're And I mean, they're fun, right? Like at the end of the day, we're playing yes. a role-playing game. Some people like the combat and they want to do the tactics stuff, but... You know, people wouldn't be coming to the table putting on funny accents or saying silly things and role-playing if they didn't want to have social encounters. So that's kind of, you know, the name of the game a little bit. All right. I mean, I think I'm pretty satisfied with that definition. I don't know if there's other things, uh, Derek, you thought needed to be included there. No, that sounds good to me. Perfect. Perfect. So then in that case, let's kind of move on. I got some pretty overarching questions for you. We'll, we'll see where the conversation takes us, of course. But... I guess the first thing I want to ask you is, do you like social encounters? You know, do you like complex social encounters or do you prefer simple ones? Um, how often are they in your games? Things like this, you know, what's your take on social encounters when you're a game master? Yeah, uh, my players are a good mix of people who who kind of like all three aspects of, um, of D&D 5e as it is. They love exploring interesting things they love fighting interesting fights and then they love uh interesting social encounters as well so uh it's nice because i get to work on all three of those aspects of my game a lot and and kind of sprinkle each of those types of things in and uh and see what what they kind of bite on i do i love a good social encounter especially be like like i said for the the reasons of um giving information whether it's correct or incorrect or or whatever and i love uh i love the accent and the role play part as well um there's there's something really fun about pretending to be these characters in this world that you've conjured up in your own mind and uh and making it real for them also and yeah i i don't know it's just it's there's, there's something really satisfying about like pretending to be a bunch of different people in some big complex encounter and like having to switch between voices and mannerisms and accents and uh, and try to like do that as best as possible on the spot, you know, in front of these people. The good news is usually you're really comfortable in front of your players. And so it's not hard to kind of do that thing uh, or do that kind of thing. But if I was doing it in front of strangers, there's like, there's no way, you know, like uh, I... Like maybe on stream or whatever, I could do it. I've never run a game on stream, but uh, there's something really fun about it. And um, oftentimes it's the the social encounters that... The, I feel like it's the, the really epic combats that end in some huge, uh, crazy way. Or it's the really funny, interesting social encounters that people remember the best that I've found. You know, from my games, it's the weird, the weird gnome who like talks to himself from a different timeline in a book and that they have to get information from him and he's not right in the head. And like, that's, that's one of the best social encounter memories that uh, my players and I have together. 
and it's just one that sticks out above the rest because it's you know totally random totally pulled out of thin air and it just became awesome because we all made it awesome together i love that example i'm gonna i'm 100 percent gonna steal your gnome and put him into one of my games um yeah we can talk more about it if we want to talk specifics later but yeah yeah that's really cool and i i really like that you said it's you know bringing life to your game because i i feel like it truly is what breathes life into these characters mm. is these these opportunities to showcase them to your players. Um, you talked a little bit about how you know that particular example of your of your gnome kind of came out of nowhere. So do you then generally improvise your social encounters, or is there a level of preparation that you kind of set out? Uh, maybe some notes about your you know the NPCs, their motivations, things like this. Like how, how do you prepare if you prepare for social encounters? Yeah. Uh, one last thing on, on the last point, and then I'll answer that question. Uh, you said it's kind of the best way to make your world feel lived in or whatever. I honestly think that it's the best part of world building and like creating atmosphere and immersion is, is with the role play. Like you can, you can do a really good job of describing things as, as they're walking around or exploring, but it's the interaction that makes it feel real to them. So yeah, that's, it's really, uh, the key of social encounters. Uh, okay. So uh, I do a little bit of both depending on what what is needed. That particular example, I did have bullet points. I knew it was a gnome. I knew the gnome happened to be the minister of law in the city. So kind of like the chief judge of the area. Uh, I knew that uh, he uh, had kind of gone a little... Uh, he, he had some mental instabilities because of some recent events, but also, yeah, he had this book that he used to talk to all of the other versions of him who were in different timelines to like figure out problems and stuff. And the reason I gave him this book as this magical item was because as the judge, he can refer to people from other timelines who can like feed him information about what has happened there. And he can determine whether or not someone is guilty based on the evidence he can collect, not just from his timeline, but from like other timelines as well. So uh, <laughs> kind of a weird like fringe item. But anyway, uh, I so I had bullet points and I had an idea about what it was going to be like. Um, but because he was this uh, judge, you know, th- the players were trying to convince him to come with them uh, out of the city where it was dangerous into safety, into like a, a place where someone could watch after him yeah. and they could keep him safe. And uh, instead of just like rolling a quick persuasion check and seeing what happened, I like had him pretend to hold court and they had to like argue their case, you know, and, and like the rest of the party were the uh, were the jury and they, he had to like he was like referring to the jury to see if they were liking what, what they were arguing. And it was just so crazy, but so fun to like hold this impromptu five minute court session Um and it, it gave them a lot of information about like what he was doing and what his motivations were and, and kind of the state of the city uh, from what he had observed by them like asking asking probing questions and stuff. But yeah, it, instead of just like doing a quick roll, it was fun to just kind of go go nuts and, and do a, a weird little uh, scenario like that, that that I kind of made up on the spot and it turned out to be really fun. That's cool. So That's really yeah. Cool. Um, I, yeah, I like... I like that example a lot. I, I think we might ca- keep coming back to it because there's a lot to be gleaned out of it too. If I can generalize a little bit, I think in a situation like that, 
not over preparing can be a benefit, right? Because if you if you yeah. line everything up too much, you don't allow yourself the flexibility to kind of have these fun impromptu moments. But one one of my weaknesses as a game master, uh, I have a tendency to have a hard time knowing how to react to my players when they do like things that might render a, an NPC hostile. You know, th- things that not that my players do this a lot, but you know, sometimes they they slip up <laughs> and they say something that's not great and you know, accidentally insults and insults this person or or perhaps they try to intimidate them and they fail and it you know, you find yourself in this situation where something bad should happen but not catastrophically bad. You know, there still needs to be kind of some consequence here. So one of the things that I personally like to prepare in social situations or when I know there's going to be an encounter of some magnitude, you know, a social encounter of some magnitude, I like to create a couple of different potential reactions. So, you know, like if the players do take mm. this person off, you know, based on their motivations and based on the information that they have, this is how they're going to react. Or if the players do something that to befriend them and, and they really, you know, they stroke their ego the right way, maybe they're going to give out this or that other piece of information. So almost like a little you know, a small text box of how to react negatively, how to react positively, and maybe how to react neutrally. It just kind of gives me this opportunity to to flex into one or the other based on the outcomes of my players. Yeah, that's a fantastic idea. And that is an example of prep that makes a lot of sense, um, but does not pigeonhole you too much, like you were saying, into like, doing specific things it, it kind of gives you the freedom to to try to react naturally as people tend to do when in social situations in real life so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's tricky um and then the last thing uh that i sometimes prepare it doesn't always work out is a way out <laughs> i feel mm. like social situations sometimes can drag on for a lot longer than you want you know i've i'm guilty of it the, that bar scene where the players are talking to the bartender and they just won't leave the bar they have the mission but you know there isn't really anything pushing them onward so having just something to interrupt the flow of the, of of action whether it's a guard knocking on the door saying that they have to talk to the guard captain or you know uh, the bard starts to play music in the in the bar and you can no longer hear your conversation you got to listen you got to focus on the, what the bard is singing things like this to kind of put an end to the social situation sometimes can be fun i don't know if that's something that you struggle with with your players or if they're if they kind of get your clues and move on faster than my players do <laughs> <laughs> uh my players are very nice to me in that they are very understanding if and when i goof uh, but also, yes, they are. They they understand. Like when I'm done with the conversation, they can tell and and they move on and they go do something else. They're also very goal oriented, so I feel like once I have given them what they need um, from a specific NPC, they're quick to move on. They don't. They're not really the type to sit and and chat and like ask random questions mm. of NPCs just to like see me squirm and have to make stuff up. So, uh, yeah, I I'm very blessed in that way. And uh, will someday regret it because I've not practiced at all and I'm going to get a player who wants to do that and I'll have <laughs> to figure it out. But I've got your tip, so I'll keep that in my back pocket and uh, and have it ready. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> um, and you know what? You talk about goals. I It makes me wonder 
because you know most conflict when you have a combat or whatever there's usually an objective sometimes it's very straightforward Mm -hmm. it's kill all the bad guys or survive the fight sometimes it's more complicated like save the hostage or whatever Mm -hmm. i i i'm asking this question without fully knowing the answer but i you know do social encounters have goals what kind of goals and are goals as synonymous to social encounters as they might be to a combat encounter i don't know if that's if that strikes anything in you Derek. uh well a good example of a social encounter that may not necessarily have a goal but like creates one um last session my players had just freed a bunch of hostages who were being kept in the in the basement of a frontier town's kind of town hall they drove off the uh people who'd kind of occupied the town and then were talking to the captain of the guard of that town to kind of glean what had happened and how they could help and in just kind of like a a regular like well we should probably talk to this person because they are in charge and figure out if we can help them at all they kind of like pick up on little clues that i'm giving them like ooh, you know that's inconsistent or we're not sure if we trust him because of these things he has said and so i can say this because this is coming out after we've resolved this but <laughs> they they pick up on these kind of inconsistencies uh the the head of the uh the kind of leader of these ruffians who had who had been occupying the town is being kept in the prison below the town hall and they finish up tra- chatting with the captain of the guard. They're like, something's not right. They uh, they use a magic item I've given them, which is a book of secrets. You have to write a secret in the book that nobody else knows. And then you close it. The book absorbs that secret. And then you, if you hold the book near, like within five feet or ten feet of someone for an hour, it will write down their deepest, darkest secret in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's nice because I get my players to give me secrets about their characters that I can use later, and then I trade it for for secrets about my NPCs. That's really um, cool. This is the first time they've used it, actually. But they they have the book up against the wall. The secret is this captain of the guard, his wife is actually being held hostage by one of the big bads of the campaign, and he is therefore working with him to keep his wife alive, but is is working for the government as well, um, and is kind of this double agent, but is forced to be so because of this uh, this leverage the the big bad has on him. Uh, and so he's now headed down to the basement to chat with the person who was leading this um, band of ruffians to like, he's basically going down to say, all right, here's the plan. I'm going to let you go. Go back. Tell your boss I'm I'm complying. Like, tell him that, that we'll get rid of these pesky adventurers who are here. We'll send them off on a wild goose chase or something. And we'll keep them off your tail so that you can get away and like make sure that my wife is safe you know yeah. so like all of this from this social encounter where like i had all of this planned and i was like they'll probably talk to the captain of the guard but i didn't force it and they're just kind of probing around seeing what's what's here and now they're eavesdropping on this conversation underneath the uh in the prison one of them's like at the window of the prison listening and then the rest of them are about to open the book of secrets and and learn the secret about this guy so yeah I, like this is all stuff I had planned, and it's kind of like the the master plan of the big bad and all of these different strings they're pulling to make things happen. But the the social encounter is giving them clues that something is amiss yeah. and that they need to keep digging, and that's what's leading them further down the rabbit hole. So, so to bring it back to goals, I guess like you said, it's not really a goal that the players have. I suppose they're getting information, 
if anything, it serves us as game masters more than anything. You know, it, it, it enables us yeah. to kind of help help direct the objectives of the party or help direct the flow of the game in a certain a certain way. Um, yeah. And I love giving them more information than they need. And I love giving them like too many things to do because it then forces them to like prioritize which things they think are most important because there's all sorts of problems in the world, yeah. you know, and we can't solve them all, but you can go solve one and then solve another. And you've got to decide which one you think is the most important at this time. That's so. super cool. That's super cool. It's it's funny because I, I was thinking of a different example that I, in one of the games that I've run where my party, it's a pirate campaign. Uh, so for those of you listening, mm, you, you know, love it. you know what you know we're getting into already, probably. But yeah, there was this one uh, one session where they had to go to the pirate council, and one of the party members, his you know his his father is imperial and part of the like no, nobility, and obviously there's there's friction there. You know the the pirates aren't are directly opposed to the empire. They're constantly at war you know quote-unquote war with one another so when they find out that you're you know one of the party members that is at this pirate council is potentially imperial potentially a spy there was this whole this whole interaction where they had to settle them down they had to really convince them that no this isn't you know this isn't a spy this isn't a bad person let's take let's take it down a notch so that that whole kind of conversation i i i took that as a social encounter in kind of a different sense um and i took the objective for them the goal for them was very clear if you don't settle these pirates down they're gonna boot you out of the council and you're not coming back to this island ever again so it it was a little bit different it, it, it wasn't as much about me giving them information it was more about me challenging the players and making them try to resolve this challenge socially because obviously they couldn't fight because there was way too many pirates you know it, it was very clear this isn't something you can gun your way out of this isn't something you can brute force your way out of you have to socially maneuver this thing um it was a lot of fun it was really cool uh they succeeded thankfully <laughs> but um yeah it, it was neat it was uh, a lot of different personalities at play that was kind of a challenge to be honest but uh it was fun yeah, it, it is a challenge, uh, but I feel like it's a challenge, but they know the end result is we either get to keep these allies or not, you know, and, mm. and so they have to make a decision um, whether or not it's worth the effort. Uh, yeah, that's really interesting. I like that. Yeah, it, it was fun. Um, And it actually, when I was looking stuff up to talk about for today's episode, <laughs> I, I was reminded that in the Dungeon Master Guide, there's actually a section where they talk about this. They talk about social and social situations and how most NPCs are going to kind of fault on a de facto scale of one to three, one being friendly, two being neutral, and three being hostile. And based on, you know, where they land off their first impressions of the party, they're going to react certain ways. And there's tables that you can find online, like there's tables on Reddit and stuff like this. But um, but I, I find that that's a pretty valuable thing to, to remind ourselves of. That, you know, at least give the state of mind to your NPCs. Or sometimes when people, like, have that initial conversation and they start to say stuff, you're like, okay, based on what you said, 
this NPC is going to land in uh, neutral, or this NPC is going to land in friendly. And kind of using that information to help us as game masters, I think, I, I don't know, I thought it was an interesting reminder because I completely forgot that that was in there. I hadn't read the Dungeon Master Guide in a very long time. But um, yeah, yeah, that, it, it is true based on based on interaction you've got to decide and you know it it happens all the time where you've got an idea and then they just shut that npc down or they mock them and you're like all right fine you're not getting whatever whatever they're going to tell you or you know you're not going to get this the benefits of having this relationship it's funny as well to see like who your party gravitates toward because you may introduce all sorts of different npcs that they don't care about but then there's the one where they, they latch onto them and they're like, ooh, that person is useful. I'm going to keep coming back and talking to them. Uh, and then you've got to kind of rework things around it. But it's, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's all part of the game. Yeah. And those NPCs are super useful to make social encounters impactful, I find. Because that that is, a, that is another hard thing to do, right? Like, how do you make the interaction consequential? If it's an NPC they care about, it's a little bit more obvious because, you know, if you burn that bridge, you've lost your, your information source or you've lost your buddy who you can go to and, you know, your confidant when it comes to sharing information about the big bad or whatever. Um, but otherwise, I don't know, have there been other things that you've done or, or considered doing to make the social interactions more impactful and more consequential? Oftentimes, I guess I'll just think about in the grand scheme of, of the political structures of wherever they are, what the impact will be. Uh, again, my party is not terribly murder hobo-y, um, mm. so they're not trying to rob and steal and plunder and kill everybody they they run into, which is nice. Uh, and that means that there's not it's not so often that I have them run into somebody and they, they like you know, do crimes and then th there should be some consequences based on it. Um, but uh, you mentioned earlier in the recording about like the big bad picking up information. And that has been something that, that I try to add as, as a way, like if the party's just going to go tell whoever they run into, whatever they're doing, then somebody is going to remember that information and like is, is in the big bad's pocket and it's going to pass that on, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so I've had that happen a few times where they realize like, we've been telling a lot of people our plans and like our movements and, and what we're doing. And like all of a sudden someone's there to stop us or there's like uh, uh, something blocking us and they kind of have to realize like, we just can't just go tell everybody everything and and see what happens you know dnd isn't isn't a video game in that you can't just like click whatever you know comment or, or uh dialogue tree you've got the dialogue someone. wheel yeah you pick right. one and, of the three <laughs> and and nothing changes because of it you know like it's gotta there's gotta be some consequences but yeah um that's cool that that's uh, cool and, and honestly that's a great way to make it impactful right bring it back the information now the big bad knows exactly where you're going next and can intercept you or, or whatever. And by making yes. that clear that it was because you told NPC X, maybe maybe that NPC is now part of the convoy stopping you, you know? And you're like, oh, yep. we shouldn't have told that person this information. Um, it's a great way, to, great way to bring it around. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to make every NPC untrustworthy because then they don't trust anybody and then, ah, then it's no fun. But like absolutely. every once in a while, you've got to do something like that to keep them on their toes. <laughs> um, 
An- another thing, uh, kind of to shift gears a little bit, that I've found yeah. interesting about social encounters is that it's a part of the game where players can kind of flex their intelligence or flex their creative muscles to concoct all kinds of interesting ways to convince people to do things. And I, and I wonder, is that something that you've experienced at your table? Is that something that you encourage or discourage? Or, or how, how do you feel about that? Because I've always found roleplay to be the best part, but also the most challenging part to kind of handle as a game master. Because you don't want to, like, you want to encourage it. Absolutely, 100%. But you also don't want to allow it to be like a get-out-of-jail-free card, right? Like, you, can, you can't always convince everybody of everything. So finding yes. that balance is tricky. So I, over over to you. How how does that make you feel, and how do you handle that at your table, Derek? Yeah, I've I've got a player. Uh, he's gonna laugh when he hears this. Um, who has kind of had a a uh, uh, come to uh, oh shoot come to Bahamut moment where he's realizing that uh, he can't just talk his way out of things because he doesn't have a very good charisma score, you know, and like <laughs> he, he he might think that not not think. Uh, he's kind of one of the more chatty players. And so he ends up doing not a lot of the role play, but like more than than some other players. Just it's it's part of the game that he likes. And so, yeah, he's like tried to convince a lot of people of a lot of things. And I'm like, no, you know, this, this is not it's not going to work. And I'm sorry, but like it's just how it is. Uh, and, and he's kind of like realizing that, yeah, like you said, it, you can't just like talk anybody into doing anything. For instance trying to convince people to oh I'm trying to think of an example well while while you're thinking about it um yeah, th- please. Does, does he so so he'll roll like he'll say something he'll come up with this like fancy excuse or fancy persuasion and then roll and then roll poorly is that is that kind of how it works out sometimes uh and then other times i just i don't want to like make social encounters just like i say something i have to roll for it oh i say another thing i have to roll for it. i'd rather it be like an experience like a conversation and then we see how effective it is uh unless it's something snap like i'm trying to, to intimidate them to like drop their weapon you know like i'm not going to make them go through a whole rigmarole to get that sort of um uh result that they're looking for uh, there, there is power in in uh, being able to turn players down from trying to convince people to do stupid things or or do things that go against what that NPC wants. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, you can't just make it easy um, and you can't just give them whatever they ask for. Yeah. Otherwise, what's the point? Like, it's it's not a fun game. Also, I think it's it's a good way to let players who are good at specific things, who have, who have built their characters to be good at certain things, like let them shine like i've got a a fighter who's uh, a noble you know he's got the crest of his family on his armor and he he's got like the seal like that shows his his birth line or whatever you know important person stuff um but that means that just about any important or governmental figure will give him an audience right and mm-hmm. so like hey you know if that's like the mechanics of your background then yeah i'm gonna give that to you but if it's some random person and you're trying to convince them to do something like, why do they care? They don't care if you're wealthy or rich or um, you have power. They just care about feeding their family or they care about, you know, getting their goods from one harbor to the other or, or whoever they're talking to. Um, so, yeah, I, I obviously want to reward mechanical decisions and character decisions, but not just let them get away with murder, so to speak. 
Yeah, you know what? That I really like that and how you kind of lean on the NPC's core principles or core values. Some some NPCs, no matter how hard you convince them, and no matter how well you roll, even they won't. You know, you can't convince them to betray the king. It, it's not going right. to happen. They're, they, you know, they've sworn their life. They're going to protect the king. It's it's part of their like pr- core principles as an NPC. So absolutely, I think, and honestly, a, somebody trying to convince a character like that to do something might actually have have the opposite effect. It, it might right. actually convince them that mm, I don't think I trust these players anymore. I don't I don't tr- I don't trust these characters anymore because they're trying to put me against what I stand for. Um, yeah, they're dissidents. Yeah, I thought of the example or an example. Uh, I had some bards, like a, a traveling bard troop, who essentially would charm people and then rob them and then leave you know like that was their that was their their shtick they'd set up a little stage and um put the audience to sleep and then steal everything and then get out of dodge uh they caught them in the act a couple of my players were able to make their saves and like chase them down and uh they're trying to convince this bard to like write a song about them and and their deeds to like give them some good press on this new continent they're on Mm. and uh a couple of poor roles and some some bad uh convincing and i was like no this guy does not want to write your song you know you just like almost killed him and, and <laughs> chasing him down and he's not interested in this he just wants you to leave him alone you know that's mm. that's an example of like this the, you know you've almost killed this person they're not going to reason with you they Absolutely. are scared of you and want to get out yeah and i think it's important to know those know those limits M- maybe there's ways to like build up a character over time if it's a recurring npc yeah, but, yeah. Um, that that requires some pretty uh, good note taking. I don't know if I'm that good of a note taker, as far as like <laughs> re- reputation goes for my players. Maybe in like larger regions, but from a character to character basis, not so much. But um, yeah. cool. I'm I'm looking at the time, and I think you know we, we got to sort of wrap things up a little bit. Derek, I have one other question, and we'll see if that you know if where that takes us. Um, and the the question is. A little bit again based on mechanics you know obviously in D and in most other systems too there's often charisma or something synonymous to it yeah i i've seen some pretty compelling arguments on both sides that um that you should either really lean in on charisma and make that the shining you know if you've committed your points to charisma or whatever is equivalent you should be good at social encounters and if you have it, yeah. you should be bad. But I've seen other arguments that say, you know, it's not really fair. Everybody wants to participate in role play. Everybody wants to have an impact in a social situation. So you, as a game master, you should be flexible and should perhaps allow somebody to roll an intimidation with their strength check. Or, you, you know, things like this where you take unconventional ways to adapt to a way that a character is built to enable them. Yes to have a social encounter. How, how do you yeah. feel about that? Where do you sit on that, on that pendulum? Uh, is it circumstantial or are you firmly grounded in one of those two camps? That's a great question. And it is a very interesting debate and I can see both sides of it. Um, I am, however, a fan of being more flexible when I can be in, in all aspects of, of running games. So I tend to, to be more flexible with 
allowing people to convince or to what you know, allowing players to kind of use creative means to get what they're that what they want right yeah. and oftentimes i'll try to like clarify with them oh are you trying to do x y or z with this npc and kind of like get a feel for for what they're looking for uh and then and then see what they can come up with uh for instance my wife is playing a wizard very intelligent not very charismatic but i will let her be creative in in convincing people to do things based on her role-playing her character um and what her character knows and what her character's experiences and goals are uh so like talking to another person who is very learned like her wizard is making small talk or, or like finding some kind of common ground based on their educations or their their knowledges could give her an upper hand in convincing them to do something or to give mm. some information or what have you. Uh, also a fan of like the, like you said, intimidation, like, hey, if you're a Goliath, even if you've got crappy charisma, chances are if you like growl and flex a little bit, people will be intimidated, you know? Yeah. And I have no problem in in letting someone do something like that to, to, to be creative with the way these, the, you know, with the way the game works and uh and try to find a different avenue to accomplish uh something like this so yeah uh it makes a lot of sense to me it also helps that none of my players are like a charisma based caster and so uh none of them like a, a few of them have higher than a 10 so higher than average charisma but none of them are like specifically charisma i don't have any bards or sorcerers or paladins or is that all of them there's so many charisma casters uh yeah, anyway quite a few <laughs> i don't have anybody like that and so uh they all get to kind of like share the burden of trying to to role play and convince people and persuade cool. people and de and deceive people uh but so yeah i i love uh seeing how creative they're going to get and like oh i i pull out this trinket from you know that, that my grandmother made me and like give it to the child uh or i help fix the wheel on their cart or you know whatever they're gonna do um ways to kind of endear themselves to people uh or or to relate with people to then have have a uh, good social outcomes yeah 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 that's that's a, i really like that answer um and i feel like i tend to gravitate towards that too personally because yeah you want to give people the opportunity to shine um in all circumstances of the game where where i struggle though to fully accept that version i guess of social encounters is when you do have somebody who's focused on on something that's charismatic like in my right. pirate game uh to, to lean back to that example the character who's in like half imperial or whatever they are a charisma we're playing a different system we're playing in fate a fate core system but they're okay, very yeah, rapport yeah. heavy like they're focused on being able to smooth their way through situations and, and things like this so striking that balance was difficult i i wanted to proportionally give that character most of the shine most of the limelight when it came to social, social situations but you don't want to sideline everybody else either you know you still got to give them the opportunity to to, to say something at the table support the arguments that are being made, things like that. So I, yeah. I think so long as you're not stealing away the spotlight from somebody, it's not going to be doing any harm to anybody else to like let yeah. other people shine in those moments. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, like I said, none of my, none of my party is specifically built for those sorts of things. So that's why it's so easy for me to be, uh, to kind of allow that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if if it's someone who has built their character specifically because they want to be a charismatic character, it, um, then yes, I would I would tend to give them. Well, I mean, they would they would any use those mechanics anyway to convince people um, or or to do whatever it is they're doing. But uh, yeah, I I I get what you're saying, and and I agree. Like I said, I'm I'm willing to be flexible, uh, and that also means like you know being flexible with uh allowing a specific character to shine in in moments that i think that they should shine so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, absolutely cool well i think i mean we could probably talk about social encounters forever i you know it's one of the one of the most important parts of of role-playing games but uh before we kind of wrap up are there any other you know burning thoughts in your head derek about social encounters that you, you feel like we didn't touch maybe an, an angle that you really wanted to get across that didn't come across for a, whether it's a strategy or a tip or a personal preference. Um, we talked a little bit about sizes of uh, social encounters. And I suppose um, something I would suggest is to start small. Um, mm-hmm. it, it can be hard to send your players into the banquet and realize that they may talk to anybody in here and you've got to think up, on the spot who they are, or you have to prepare beforehand the whole roster of people that are going to be there and what they might do or say. So yeah, social encounters. If you're, if you're new to this, I'd start small and, and go with, with um, one or two people here or there that they can talk to uh, and kind of warm up to it. Uh, alternately, you can do some hand waving and say, these are the specific people that you're there to talk to. And like, just, just, improvise some small talk and and maybe not everybody at this party is going to have nuggets of wisdom and and interesting stuff to say to your party and that's okay you know don't feel like you have to prepare every single person anyone or every single npc um that that um, your party might want to talk to because that's not feasible and it's it's okay to set that boundary yeah Uh, and it's it's not it's not super entertaining i mean it it can still be entertaining maybe i shouldn't have said that it can still be a lot of fun but it, it right. lacks purpose, right? And when you're only sitting at a table with your friends once every two weeks or maybe maybe it's once a week but only for a couple of hours, you know, you don't want the game to get bogged down with them talking to the person serving punch, you know, if that's not yep. impactful for the game. So yeah, exactly. Focusing yeah. the attention on the important NPCs is, is useful. Starting small if it's something that you're not super familiar with. even Even if it's just one character, you know, Put a character in the way of the players that has information that the players need. It could be like the combination to a lock that they need to move forward. And they just need to get that information out of the character somehow. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, it yeah. could be as straightforward as that. Or as complicated as, yeah, like a court session where there's a whole jury and you're trying to convince a whole bunch of people of something. Yeah. And sorry, I it, cut you it off. It can get wild. Yeah. You were going to say something else there. Please. Uh, yeah, uh, I was going to say, uh, I kind of mentioned at the beginning, but be creative with your social encounters as well. Like I said, you can have like magical items that, that, that are uh, social encounters. You can have deities as social encounters, a huge, really interesting one. Deities, patrons, um, you know, in, in, extra planar beings, uh, oh, demons and devils. So many good role play opportunities with them. Wait till your players are a little bit higher level probably before you delve uh, too deeply. But um, yeah, lots of lots of interesting ways to to give them information, to l- help them feel like the world is real, to help them feel like they are are 
interacting with and, and making a difference in the world that you've built together. Uh, so yeah, get creative with them and think of, of different ways outside the box um, that they might get information or they might run into problems and, and see what happens. Yeah, uh, role-playing and social encounters, I mean, it's probably one of the top three favorite parts of uh, D&D for me, uh, you know, amongst exploration and combat. So I, I think you should uh, definitely give it its uh, its due. Uh, absolutely. Perfect. Well, I mean, I'm going to wrap the rest of the show up later, Derek, but until, yeah. you know, while I do that wrap up, why don't you, you say uh, bye to the listeners, let them know where they can find you and uh, let, let us know about, you know, maybe your next, uh, your next episode of, of your podcast what 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 can we look forward to things like that yeah so last uh anyway uh i'm derek host of how not to dm thanks for having me matt um you can find the show on any podcasting platform like he said wherever you're listening to this right now you can probably find my show there so go check it out uh follow or subscribe listen to a couple of the episodes. Um, it's a very similar format or at least similar content to this show in that they're all standalone episodes. So you can go find any topic or guest that seems interesting to you and start there, or you can start from the beginning. Um, my tagline is I'm on a quest to interview the very best dungeon masters on this plane of existence. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a, a combination of talking to people who, who run games about their running game or their, their philosophies about running games. And then also their interesting projects they're working on, whether it's podcasts or writing content or, you know, musicians who write music for games or um, people who are designing games. So it's, it's kind of a, a whole mixed bag. Um, but yeah, there's something there for everybody, I think. And uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, with the uh, handle at HN, the number two DM. So that's the five characters. Uh, my link tree is linktree slash HN, the number two DM. And that will have my other socials and um, some other things you can find, like a few other guest spots I've done or um, a Discord where you can come and chat with me and the rest of the T4C Studios family. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of the, the spiel there. Uh, a couple of my past few guests have been Keith Amon, writer of The Monsters Know What they do, They're do. they Doing, a really interesting book and blog about um, D&D monsters and how to use their stat blocks to give you clues about how they will interact with the players and, and fight. Uh, and then also uh, this last week was James Intracasso. He's helped author seven different books for WotC and is currently working at MCDM uh, Productions, Matt Colville's company, uh, churning out Arcadia magazines and the like. So yeah, a bunch of fun guests I've had. Uh, Matt will be coming on shortly. So uh, his episode actually probably released before. Well, no, probably not. Anyway. We'll see. Uh, we'll Matt's, time it out. Matt's <laughs> yeah, Matt's episode uh, will be released at some time in the future after this uh, recording. So it may be live, it may not, but go check it out. And if it's not there, then go listen to something else instead. Awesome. Yeah, Thank, thanks, Derek. I, I really look forward to catching up. I didn't know you had uh, James in – I can never pronounce his last name, but I, I you know, he, I've been following him for quite some time. He has some interesting nuggets of information, so I'll be sure to check that out. And I hope the listeners of today's episode go check out your content too. I know you've got some really great guests uh, in the past, so people should definitely go check it out. And yeah, thanks for being here. Enjoy running your game with your with your with your group tonight. Hopefully, you've been able to, you know, 
dig out some some new social encounter ideas for your game. And uh, with that, let's call it a chat. Uh, what a great conversation with Derek. I, I think, honestly, that social encounters is such a huge topic. And if I'm being completely honest, I'm really impressed uh, with Derek and I for being able to handle something that big to chew off. I often... I uh, try to avoid these very big and overarching themes for the show, but I guess I was proven wrong in today's episode. I did want to take some time in the last few minutes to go over some small announcements and housekeeping. So the first, I guess, announcement is that Derek and I did land on a schedule for my episode uh, on how not to DM. So if you want to listen to that, which I highly recommend you do, it's going to be coming out next to uh, next Wednesday on the 20th of April. I would highly recommend you go listen to that as well as some of the other fantastic episodes Derek has on his show. I also wanted to mention that the giveaway was awarded and given out, so thank you to everybody who entered. If you enjoyed it, please don't hesitate to let me know. I'm hopeful that I can do another. I learned a lot about giveaways doing this first one, and it was a lot easier than I expected it to be. So I'm looking forward to doing more. If you want to stay tuned about all of that, I'd highly recommend you follow me on Twitter. If you aren't already, that's roll underscore play underscore chat at Twitter. I also wanted to talk about how I'm pretty proud of myself (laughs) again, uh, because we've been or I've been making a much more concentrated effort to have the show be under an hour. I, I know in the past, you know, sometimes our discussions went quite long, an hour and a half, an hour and 25 minutes. So anyway, uh, long story short, I just wanted to let you guys know that that's kind of the plan, is to keep the episodes at about an hour mark. However, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to know if that's something that suits you, or if you want it to be even shorter, maybe 45 minutes. That that might be hard to do, but, um, you know, a challenge. I'm always up for a challenge. And yeah, so let me know, like I said, on Twitter, or you can always send me an email. It's contactroleplaychat at gmail.com. And last but not least, I wanted to encourage you to share the show with your friends, with your gaming table. The more listeners, the more reviews I have of the podcast, the better. I would be forever grateful. All right. Thank you so much. And let's call it a chat.